Bautista, his first hit against Hernandez is home run number 50. That was one of Jose Bautista's many highlights with the Toronto Blue Jays' 50th homer of the year in 2010. Jose Bautista has signed a one-day contract with your Toronto Blue Jays. He will be batting fifth tonight (laughs) against the Chicago Cubs. Fingers crossed! Fingers crossed! (laughs) You've been waiting all day, say Oh, I've been waiting all all day, day. all day. Today's Blue Jays lineup, because I know there are those of you... don't say it. I know there are those of you out there who don't believe me, but you know me, I would never lie to you. Today's Blue Jays lineup is as follows. Uh, Ever. Where is it, Jeff? Here it is. Uh, Merrifield, Belt, Guerrero, Springer, Batista, Chapman, Kirk, Varsho, Paul DeYoung, Jose Barrios is behind the plate. How about Kevin? On the mound. On the mound. How about Kevin Biggio's hitting in front of Matt Chapman? There you go. It's actually Merrifield, Belt, Guerrero Jr., Springer, Biggio, Chapman, Kurt Farsho, Dion. Huh? That's a typo? It might be. What? I mean, he's your, he's your guy. He's here? your boy. He's well, your no, boy. No, but he's no, hitting fifth. No, not to hit fifth. Well, he's hitting fifth. It's got to be a swing path finger. Something like that. The uh, <laughs> Jays are taking on the Chicago Cubs. Um, it is a weekend to celebrate Jose Bautista's <laughs> achievements. Tomorrow he will go up in the level of excellence. There's nothing worse than when you try to be funny and you end it by screwing up by saying Jose Barrios is behind the plate. Not behind the plate. He's on the mound, but I said he's behind the plate. <laughs> Can we just start the show over again? Let's just start the show over again. Play the Batista clip off. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 707 is the first pitch tonight. Hey, you can only hear it right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It's an Apple TV game. So uh, we will be your pregame show right up the first pitch, pretty much. Yep. And we'll be your postgame show hmm? as we break down the, J- the Jays and uh, Cubs first to three games. Tomorrow, Jose Bautista goes on to the level of excellence at the Rogers Center. A reminder, get there early. It's a Saturday. It's going to be busy. Ooh. Uh, there's going to be giveaways, going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, a person who shall remain nameless has told me that the pregame ceremony is, uh, quote, pretty spectacular. And um, Jose Bautista, I'm only half kidding, did sign a contract, a one-day contract with the Blue Jays today um, so that he can officially retire. Oh. He can officially retire as a Blue Jay, although... I bet there are people out there who like thought for. Had two, to look it up. Had, had thought for a second. <laughs> had to look it up. Blair says Batista. Is he kidding? He never left. <laughs> no. It's Merrifield, Belt, Guerrero, Springer, Biggio, Chapman, so, Kirk, Varsho, Dion, and uh, the winner, Jose Briazan. <laughs> Smells like a winner to me. Uh, the Jays made a little bit of news today. Well, oh, we'll be joined by Josh Donaldson later on. By the way, Ooh. the bringer of rain. Yeah. Huh. The bringer of rain will join us. Always look forward to... Is it Friday? It is Friday, it is. and I'm, I'm buoyant today. <laughs> Premier, Premier League started. Premier League started yeah, already. Ah, uh, oh, it's a good day. It's a I, good day. I had to go in a different room because you, you had that on and the volume up. Like I, Well, just because you like it don't mean everybody else has to like it. Yeah, it does. It, no, it does like, not. There's like two other people in this place. you got money on it and some kind of... Anyhow, whatever that thing is you're in. So uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Passon will join us, and the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, John Schneider, joined us as well for his uh, weekly hit. Uh, the Jays did make news today. They sent Alec Manoa. They optioned him to AAA and brought up Hagen, Hagen Danner. I was going to say, I came that close to saying Hagen does. I swear to God, and I don't know why, but Hagen Danner. A relief pitcher brought up. Uh, we've got uh, what's going on. We've got uh, John Schneider do you later make more on. More money than I do. But this, this was John <laughs> Schneider. Be quiet. This is John Schneider a few minutes ago when asked about the conversation he had with Alec Manoa before sending him out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Tough conversation with him. Obviously, um, you know. I think you look at our schedule. You look at you know five other guys in the rotation that are throwing quite well. And um, you're trying to do what's best for the player, and you're trying to do what's best for the team at all times. You know, that being said, he's our opening day starter and, um, you know, finished third in the Cy Young Award last year. You know, so it's a tough conversation. But um, our hope for him is to go down and just continue to work on being consistent and being consistently in the strike zone. And, um, you know, hopefully he finds his way back here to us. But it's... um, progress hopefully. that he did make while he was back here you know was significant manager. so hopefully he can kind of continue to build on that that was john schneider with uh kevin barker providing background Ho- commentary hopefully, hopefully it's a big word like that that's not something that you hear john say syllables. often it's not Ho- hopefully means that he's walked 17 guys in his last 23 and a third yeah that's his last five starts and i i said this to you in his last start when when you show the emotion and the frustration on the mound that he showed in his last start, there's more to that than meets the eye. And you're listening to the manager there yeah. basically say that without saying it. And you know, again, it's about the conditioning, it's about the throwing program, it's a uh, every all of that needs to get back in line. And he just, quite frankly, needs to locate better. The uh... Jays have reached the final series of a stretch of 17 games in 17 days. This, of course, is the reason that they, one of the reasons they're in the six-man rotation. The other, of course, was to kind of baby Hyunjin Ryu back in now. Hyunjin Ryu left his last start with uh, maybe the most gruesome bruise I've ever seen a professional athlete pick up. Um, well. It's true. It is true. It's true. It is true. Yeah, if you if you turned away before that happened and looked at when he was laying on the ground, you thought it was over. It reminded me. <laughs> it, it reminded me of Moise Alou breaking his fibula and his tibula and and dislocating his ankle on a play at first base that I saw. You're you're thinking the worst, and then you oh, hear con- and you hear contusion, and it's like- but uh, but the worst the worst no the worst uh, did not occur. Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, is in the rotation. As a matter of fact, he's scheduled to start Sunday. Tonight's pitching matchup is Jose Brios against Javier Assad. Tomorrow will be Chris Bassett against Justin Steele. Jameson Tyone makes a start for the Cubs on Sunday against Hyun Jin Ryu. All right. Um, we got to talk about this lineup, don't we? What are you looking at? Your computer's making noise or something. My computer's not making any it noise. It is. I can hear it. It's not making any noise. You're starting to hear hear noises. That's not good. No. It's not making it any noise. Listen to it. That's not making any noise. Okay, let's talk about the lineup. Anyhow. <laughs> it's it's making noise. It's not making noise. <laughs> it is. You're, I'm the one that's old. I'm the <laughs> one that's supposed to be hearing things. Uh, let's talk about the lineup. All right. Kevin Biggio, all kidding aside. Well, actually... Is hitting fifth uh, ahead of Matt Chapman tonight. Uh, your thoughts 
<laughs> I think the first four guys in the order need to do a lot mm-hmm. for them to win the baseball games that they want to win. How's that? And then at whatever you're getting from the fifth guy on is gravy. Like, I, I, I can't say that any it's other more way. Than half the Th- lineup, this is, basically. You're this saying. is where we're sort of at, right? Is the Merrifield belt. Vladdy and Springer, those are the four guys. Until Bo gets back, and we really don't know when that is. Like, those are the four guys. Like, and then after that, anything that would tell you consistently after that that they're going to give you competitive enough at bats that you're hopeful that they can string together at bats that they had in Boston. Because I don't know about you. But that's what it was supposed to look like. Oh, we asked John Schneider about that. He'll give us an answer later on. I said to him, what you guys do? Did, did, like, did, it, did it fall out of the cargo hold of the, the, the plane when you took off from Logan or something like that on the way to, on the way to Cleveland? And of course, John, and, and in fairness to the Jays, I mean, they, they ran into two good young starting pitchers. I, I'm, not making it cause, I'm not making an excuse for them because there's no excuse for what happened yesterday against Noah Syndergaard. There, there's absolutely no excuse for that. So I'm not making excuses for him. They ran into two good young hitters who weren't afraid pitchers. or pit, pitchers who weren't weren't afraid to pitch at the top of the zone. And that's what happened in the first two games. But uh, yeah, the the last game against Noah Syndergaard was just that that was that was completely unacceptable. I want to go back though and 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 talk about Manoa because one of the questions about Alec Manoa. I think Kevin would be, would you be concerned about Alec Manoa's psyche at this point? Now, I made the point earlier when the Jays sent him down, and I think you agree, maybe didn't agree with me completely. I honestly didn't think he'd be back up as soon as he came back up. Me either. And my whole thinking when Alec Manoa went down is, I want Alec Manoa to be right for next year. I'm not writing off this year for the Blue Jays. But I am more or less writing off this year for okay, Alec Manoa. Well, the, the, you know why they called him up. They called him up because the other four guys right. had had sort of enough when it came to the four-man rotation and routines and saying, basically, we're doing our part. You need to get somebody up here to help us out a little bit, right? Is that and, the right thing that, to do? Probably not, right? I mean, it's the way it's looked here, the hit and miss. The, but, I mean, he had, he's, he's, he had a game that – that game against Boston, he kind of looked more like – he looked more like Alec Manoa. Yeah, I look. I, I think I mean, it's, he did at yeah. Fenway Park. I think when it's mechanically sound and he has good release point, it could look like it looked in Boston. When it doesn't and he's falling off and he has no idea why he's falling off, like he was against Cleveland, pitching the Cleveland's lineup like they are the Yankees of <laughs> when they were winning a bunch of World Series. I, that I, this is you asked me about the mental part of Alec Manoa. I can't speak to that, and you can't either. But I will say this. I think he knows why. And I think he knows how to fix it. And I think they're going to give him time to do that. Would I call him up before the end of the season? Nope. I think that that is sailed. I think he is, he's going to have ample opportunity. And I will say this. I'm going to be in the camp of next year. You got to come to camp and earn a job. You ain't going to get a job. You got to come and earn it. I think that's the best way to attack that, right? Is you've seen enough ups and downs and, you know, the way the way he showed up in camp this year, the way it looked when he got started the regular season, 
I mean, it's just reality of being a big leaguer. Well, this, if you look this is ahead. part of it. Everybody, everybody that's been sent down and, and has went through some things, and I'm speaking from experience, that you've been kicked in the mouth a little bit. And now, again, he he's very fortunate that they think as highly of him as they do, and they're going to give him every opportunity because he's good and he's got good stuff. And, you know, you can see it whenever it's in line. And the command with the fastballs there, it makes the slider that much better. And for me, it's more of the conditioning and the throwing program. He irons that out. He gets back to to that where it needs to be. That's what I said. I just I I think if you the mental part of it, if he had no idea why this is not where it should be, then yeah, you're probably you know, your your mind's going in seventy different directions, and you're just trying to figure out how to get it back. And you want to because you're making more money. Everything's cooler in the big leagues. But uh, he knows what it is. He knows and, how to fix it. And and here's the thing: they're going to give him opportunity to do that. Well, looking ahead the next year, um, Kevin Gossman will be back. Jose Barrios will be back. Chris Bassett will be back. You say Kikuchi will be back. Um, there's a spot open. There's a spot open. You know, Ricky Tiedemann's going to get a look. Yeah. Uh, they, You know that this organization will bring in some sort of free agent pitcher. I mean, they just will. Yeah. They, they, And they, they should. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Um, they and I'm not it. talking about like a, you know, a Thomas Hatcher or, I mean, whatever, Zach Thompson or anything. A big leaguer. Yeah, they'll bring in a big leaguer, as yeah. they should. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I I would think the gauntlet's been tossed down to Alec Manoa. And it will be interesting to see how he responds to that. Um I'm I mean I'm hoping I'm hoping he comes back because I like the dude and I like the story of Alec Manoa and I like what Alec Manoa brings to this team when he's Alec Manoa, because he does bring a commodity. You know, he's a dude who pitches with his chest out, and that's something I think can be a benefit to a team in this division especially. Like you need a guy that likes being able I to think, I think you're, boss people you're, around. You're saying their team would be better with a really good Alec Manoa. Oh, without which, question. Which just because uh, I mean, I know that's captain obvious, but without question, everything he brings on the mound and the presence that he yes. can bring when he's really good, and you know, you need that little bit of intimidation factor when he is really good. It's right in front of you, like you know now that the Blue Jays organization's not messing around. It's performance-driven. Like, there ain't no... He got his little hall pass to have some service time at the big league level and try and figure that out. They're telling you right now it's about winning. Like, and if you're not getting it done, you ain't going to be here. And I think that's... Again, I've been there. I know how that feels. You sort of feel like you're on an island by yourself. And when I got sent down, I had no idea how to fix it. I really do believe the people that I've talked to, he knows exactly how to fix it. It's so they've to, given it's him. A, it's up to him to fix it. Okay. They've given him essentially a blueprint. Blueprint. That this is the way it looks when this is here and that's there. Go down there and get back to that, and you will be the Alec Manoa that we all love, and you'll be a big leaguer forever. This is a little bump in the road. Everybody goes through these, right? The, oh, guys Mike, have come Mike, back. Yeah, Mike for Trout sure. got for sent sure. down. Mike Trout got sent down. Look at who Mike Trout is. Like that's, you know. And if anything else, I'll say this for Alec Manoa too. He's got a, he's got a year's track record of being good, which will help him. It's not like 
we're talking about the dude who was good for five or six weeks and then yeah i think that's where the blueprint comes from is this is when you were going well this is how it looked this is how the conditioning was this is what you did throwing program wise this is how whenever you needed the extra gear this is how you could get to that gear this is when the slider was breaking the most and you could throw it for strikes and it was competitive. This is where you're at. Like there's a blueprint there because of what you just mentioned. Yeah. Again, it's right in front of you now. And I just, I do like it that they are not afraid to basically say, man, it's about winning. Like I, th- this is where the organization's at. No matter who you are, if you're not performing, we will make adjustments. Again, you just get back to the Springer thing. Springer's one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball. He ain't leading off. No. Because he was struggling. But he's responded. And there was somebody else better. That's the point, right? Is now he's more beneficial to this team being a run producer than he is hitting a solo homer. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's sort of where this team's at in this organization is. It's about winning, and I love that. Like, I when I was here in 2006, it wasn't about that. It was about finishing third. Let's be happy to do that. They're not happy to do that anymore. And if you're a Jays fan, you got to love that. And if you're a team, if you're a player on this team, now you know just by watching how they handle that, how they handle the lineups, who they're throwing out there. I mean, you're going to have a – obviously the main guys are going to get a little bit longer leash than everybody else. So that's obvious. Mm. But if you're the guy that's been struggling and you're not helping the team and you're hurting other parts of the team, when you're here doing this, you're not going to be here. And I kind of like that. I guess the good news for the Blue Jays is they are now playing – uh, against five five games against National League opposition. Um, it's their 12th interleague series of the year. They're 22-10, and 10, the Jays are, against National League clubs so far. Cubs been the best hitting team in baseball since the break. Was, the, I was about, the Jays are going to have to get it rolling. I was, I was about to say that's the good news. The bad news is the Cubs have been hitting since the All-Star break. And since the decision was made not to tear the team apart. Um, Cody Bellinger will be in the lineup tonight for the Cubs. And I, I, I I mean, I wrote out the lineup card before I did the show and I just kind of stopped and thought, wow, you know, Merrifield, maybe Bichette, Bellinger. Three three (laughs) through eight. And the Cubs lineup has 10 or more homers, three through eight. Yeah. To say that it's going to be, I mean, good pitching always beats good hitting. That's just normally the way it goes. If you're locating and you're adding and subtracting and you're unpredictable in certain counts, you're going to get a good lineup out, but you're going to have to make good pitches. And it seems like right now they're they're sort of they, like the the underdog and they're playing that role very well. And they're having some good, really play, good players offensively stepping up and being the man. So, yeah, you're going to have to do some things right. They the are. offense, I mean, it's Captain Obvious here. They're going to have to score some runs. The Cubs are 16-6 and six in their last 22 games since July 18th. On July 20th, they were seven games out of a wild card spot. Six, sorry, eight and a half games back of the division lead. Today, they're half a game out of a wild card spot and two and a half games back of Milwaukee. And that is essential. And, Kevin, there is no reason to not think the Cubs are good enough to win that that division. Yeah, it's the central. <clears throat> like no, you, you, except you, you that's hit, what I mean. That's what hit, I mean. You could hit your way, just hit your way to winning that division. When in the American League East, you got to do a little bit of everything really, really well. That division, you don't have to do that. You could have th- five guys in your order with 10 or more homers and bop your way to the division. That's what they're trying to do here. It's, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's Captain Obvious, but 
further. Some of the guys in that lineup have made adjustments, and then it's working. Further to your point, in the 26 games since the All-Star break, the Cubs have scored the most runs in the majors, 172. That's 20 more than the Dodgers, who are in second place. They're hitting 289 as a team. It's the highest in the majors by eight points over the Braves. Their OPS during that span is 864, which is second. So you are right. Oh, and Cody, Cody Bellinger, by the way, July's National League Player of the Month. Yeah. And, um, and again, the Cubs, the Cubs retained him, and they added Heimer Candelario. And, and yeah, um, they decided not to punt. But I will say this. If you're the Jays and you're a Jays fan, the next 23 games – well, give me give this me. is this is where you're this is where you're getting healthy and you're getting confidence. You can tell offensively, runners in scoring position. You know they got the pouty face. Like it's uh oh, the guy's standing at second. Oh no, what do I do? Like you know, Kirky. Have we ever seen Kirky throw a helmet? No. I mean, it's about in my mind, it's about time that that happens. I mean, show a little emotion occasionally when everything you're doing offensively just ain't working. It's the they're going to be well rested. They're having 17 games in the next 21 days. The next 23 games are the Cubs for three, the Phillies for two. Those are both at home. Then you got the Reds and Baltimore. Obviously, those on the road are going to be difficult. You're going to have to pitch well, play good defense, not beat yourself. And then you got Cleveland and Washington at home. And then you got the Rockies and Oakland. And you got Kansas City. And then after that, it gets a little tougher. But those 23 games. That's that's when some things got to start going well. Like the the you're running into good pitching. I'm sorry. Like it's late in the season and your lineup's supposed to be really good. And what we saw in Boston, let's say let's be honest. If they hit somewhat like that, they're going to be awfully hard. They are. I'm saying it. They are hands down. Hands down. That includes. Excuse me. The Astros. The best team in baseball. If they, With the way they play defense. If they have and, that approach. The, I don't even know if it's an approach or not. Like, from what you hear, what you're seeing, it's – I, and what they're being told and, and how they're trying to – you know, it's, it's, it's important for them to have the eight pitch out. They have to throw that in there as a lineup. I'm not sure consistently – that you're going to see them going you're stuck up, in this, hunt, this hunt eight pitch lineup. Yeah, it's because it's a thing. I mean, I, it's uh, they're excited about that. Like that's uh, something that you know they're say they're they're, they're say, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, say the word. Say the K word. You know, they're, you they're excited about that. Like that's you know the 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 OO line drive double with backspin to right center. Hmm. We can't consistently do that, but we can consistently do that eight pitch out. That you know that tough out where we're wearing that starter down to get to them dudes that throw a hundred. <laughs> we they like the elevated fastball. We can do that. I think consistently the the approaches are sort of one's pushing in one direction and one's pushing in the other when it should just be meshed together and say, hey, sometimes you got to adapt and overcome. And what you've been doing for four months has sort of not been working. But if you look at the way it looked. In Boston for those couple of games, holy moly! You add that to the way they pitch as a starting staff, and then you're getting some of your bullpen arms back, and you play outfield defense the way you do. I'm not used to being the least cynical person in the room. I'm not. 
I'm just not used to it. Well, I think the way the Boston series looked is the way we thought the whole season was going to look. Like they were just more like that than than what we've seen. And there weren't, it was, you weren't going to have to worry about getting quality start after quality start because the offense was going to do a bunch of that heavy lifting. And, you know, they were going to play great defense when they had to in the outfield because of the way the season ended. So I, I, that's what I said. Do you do you feel confident enough that the lineup that you read out can can bring that? One of the uh, hallmarks of the Blue Jays during the I think I can call it the Jose Bautista era. One of the hallmarks yeah. of those Blue Jays teams, precisely what you said. Um, one of the hallmarks of those teams was that they knew they were good they knew they were going to beat you. Didn't mean they were always going to win, but their approach was, we're going to beat you tonight. There was uh, an edge to that team. Uh, It it was built on experience, quite frankly. I think the manager had a little bit. I think Gibby had a little bit to do with that. Gibby kind of let them, he let the alpha males be alpha for the most part. Because they were alpha. Because they were alpha. But (laughs) listen, listen, one thing about a good manager, good manager knows when to get the hell out of the way. That's well said. A good manager knows when to get out of the way and let let the alphas run the show on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Donaldson was very much one of those alphas. Uh, he is with the New York Yankees. Of course, he won an AL MVP award with the Blue Jays in 2015. And Josh Donaldson will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven oh seven will be the first pitch tonight from the Rogers Center as the Jays open a three-game series against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, you can catch the game right here on Sportsnet Five Nine. Ben Ben Wagner with the call of the game. It won't be on TV tonight. It is an Apple TV game. So you've got us right up the first pitch, and then we'll be along post game. Why are you looking at me like that? Uh, it is Jose Bautista weekend, I guess. Jose Bautista weekend, we could call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, he will be inducted onto the level of excellence tomorrow afternoon at the Rogers Center. A reminder to please get to the park early. Uh, it will be a 307 first pitch, but the ceremony will start well before then as, uh, the Jays honor, uh, one of their premier players, uh, the Jays signing Jose Bautista to a one day contract today to allow him to retire officially as a Blue Jay, and yes, that did lead to all sorts of jokes about could Jose hit in the middle of the order I'm t- sure tonight's could. game. Um, that team, those teams, the teams in and around 2015, um, Kevin and I were talking about this a little bit, those teams, maybe of any team I've covered in Montreal or Toronto, um, the, the the dynamic of that particular group 
the edginess of that particular group, the um, just the sense they gave out that they came to the ballpark fully intending to kick your ass. I've, I haven't been around a team that has given off those vibes. Mm-hmm. One of the very important members of that team, one of Jose Bautista's teammates, is our next guest. He is Josh Donaldson of the New York Yankees, and of course, uh, he was an American League MVP in 2015 with the Blue Jays. Josh, thanks so much for joining Kevin and me today. We uh, we trust that you're that you're doing okay as we sort of celebrate and talk a little bit here about uh, Jose Bautista's career with the Blue Jays. Um, I think I'm right in saying that that group really. You guys really did give off the vibe that you fully expected to win and take no prisoners in the process, didn't you? Yeah. Hey, guys. It's uh, good to hear you guys' voice again and uh, be with you as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think to how you – I got to hear your introductory uh, for this, and to me that's probably like the biggest compliment that you could probably give off. And uh, the, I think you were dead right uh, on that. and. You know, before, um, you know, Russell and I came over, um, it was kind of, you know, the Blue Jays were a really good team, but just hadn't really posted uh, to the postseason yet in a while. And I felt like early on, Batista, myself, and at the beginning it was Jose Reyes and Edwin, and, uh, you know, then it turned over to, you know, Kevin Pillar, Goins. And then Tulo gets traded over. David Price got traded over. I felt like we all uh, had those same type of expectations of not just ourselves, but of of our teammates. And, you know, that was ultimately the goal was, you know, winning ballgames. And how can we do that? Um, And I felt like we were able to do that more times than we weren't. J.D., offensively, what did Jose do that maybe you were – I don't want to say in awe of, but you may have said, man, I wish I could do that. Well, I'll, I'll give you a pretty uh, <clears throat> pretty crazy story of, of Bautista. And I remember the, the very first game I ever started catching it was 2010. Most people don't remember this, but Bautista, that was the year I think he really broke out with the mm-hmm. Blue Jays. And I got called up and I want to say – like after the first month of the year. And I remember the scouting report was like, you know, don't throw him a lot of off speed for strikes and you can throw fastballs. And, you know, then he comes back with a leg kick and he just absolutely starts crushing heaters and he starts hitting off speed. And uh, I remember a specific at bat, he, he got to like 0-2, and we threw him a fastball up, and he swung and missed. But he swung and missed, and the intent of the swing and everything that was there, I, you knew it. He didn't even, like, panic about it. It was just like, all right, like, yeah, I swung in a bad pitch. Next thing be, I'm going to get him. And I felt that as, like, a catcher. Oh, sorry, my daughter's uh, talking right now. Um, but at the end of the day, Jose Bautista, what stands out to me the most is the fierce competitor that he was on and off the field. You know, a lot of guys don't get to see the bumps and bruises that go throughout the year. And Batista was just one of those guys who who you could count on and not just uh, count on, but he was going to post and and give you everything he had that day. 
And probably the second most memorable thing uh, is that if somebody was even remotely messing around with throwing at the guy, he was probably not just going to go deep, but he's going to go deep that at bat if they missed. And if they hit him, then he was probably going deep the next at bat. So there were definitely times when maybe Jose was scuffling a little bit where as a team, we were like, please just hit him. Like try to act like you're going to hit him or something to get him going. <laughs> and it was, it's really probably the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Uh, Cause you know, like when you get a hit or ball come in, you know, sometimes you, you might think or get a little uncomfortable, but it actually settled him in. You know, he, when he started to hit home runs, it was like the Blue Jays were this team that nobody really had many expectations of. I mean, he was he was a he was an all star player, a great player on an okay team, but it wasn't a team that people necessarily thought had a shot at going to the postseason all the time. By the time you got there and Russell got there, things had started to develop. Where not only was Jose a great individual player. But now he's surrounded by other great individual players. And, oh, by the way, now the team is expected to do well. Did he change it all, Josh? Did you notice uh, as it kind of went away from, you know, Jose Bautista and the Blue Jays to the Blue Jays with Jose Bautista? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I mean, you probably have to ask him that. I wasn't there early on. Mm-hmm. But I would say probably like when I first got there, I don't know if the expectations of were like winning a division per se. Um, and, you know, when Russell, myself came in and I think Jose Bautista is an absolutely phenomenal player and he does have the expectation to win. Uh, that's why he is an exceptional ball player. But I just think probably like the culture at that time, it was a little bit different. Um and I think that's what Russell, myself, Jose, Jose Rand, we all try to uh, get everybody early on bought into this, hey, let's go out there and not just hope to win, but let's go up there with the mentality of expecting to win. And uh, we we felt like we had the team to do that. And we were right around the 500 mark there in uh, 2015. And, then, you know, Alex AA made a couple – big big time moves at the all-star break and you know i've I've said this probably a couple times in interviews now but i I remember in 2015 walking in the clubhouse after getting david price and tulo latoya hawkins uh mark lowe ben revere all these guys i just remember looking around the already pretty um you know there's some pretty big names in that clubhouse already i just i had chills the first day walking in and from that day on, you know, the Rogers Center was pretty much sold out every night. And, you know, I think Jose Bautista was really that guy that, uh, you know, you think of those, those postseason runs and the home run that he hit against the Rangers. And, you know, I can think of many big at-bats um, uh, from him throughout the, throughout the course of his career. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we all have one mindset. And Jose Bautista was – you know, he was the man before that team got there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember watching video of him, you know, trying to study his swing and trying to, you know, figure out stuff for my own self. Um, so Batista was uh, a guy who I highly looked up to going into even playing in in Toronto. And then when I got to be his teammate, it was, you know, it was pretty cool to be around that every day and see him. What was this? 
what was the secret to having all those alphas together in one clubhouse and not having guys kill each Great other? Question. <laughs> I mean, I think if you look around baseball in and of itself, uh, you know, there are a lot of alphas in that room. It's just kind of what people kind of portray, give off uh, the appearance of uh, if they're an alpha or not. I mean, and, but in general, most of those guys that have gotten to the big leagues were probably alphas at some point. Um, and I mean, I play with Aaron Judge, and there's not a probably nicer human being on the planet. But when he's on the field, like he's he's in a he's in a killer mindset as well. Uh, he gives it off a little bit different. I think where we were a little bit different is you know we weren't <laughs> we kind of wear our emotions on our sleeve at times. And that was for the better of our team, and sometimes it probably wasn't for the best of our team. But at the end of the day, we all were together, and I think that's how we all we all bought in. We all had the same mindset of, you know, we we were trying to win a World Series, and we felt like we had the team to do that. And I think when you get around the league and you know, you 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 get on teams, and sometimes uh, you know the talk is about in spring training. Hey, we feel like we got a postseason team. Our goal is to win the World Series. But at the end of the day, like if the guys don't believe in a whole as a whole, don't believe that, and the leaders on your team don't believe that, then your team's not going to go very far. And I think that's just something um, that resonated with all of us. J.D., you, you and Jose are sort of similar when it comes to you. You two sort of turned yourself into being great hitters. I, I'm, I'm intrigued about the process. Like, how does the process start? Is it you try and find somebody like you mentioned that's similar to you that like you maybe want to start a leg kick. How does he do that? Is there parts to it? Mm-hmm. You know, when do I start it? Like all those things. What yeah. is the, how does the process start? Uh, so that's a great question. First off. And I mean, for me, I don't, I, Jose, you have to ask him. Uh, I think everybody kind of gets there a little bit differently. Uh, and it's really trying to find something that resonates. And for me, I, I started watching you know, the, the first guy that I was watching was Batista. I felt like we were pretty similar uh, athletic build. It probably had you know, very similar athletes. And, um, you know, I liked the leg kick I had it when I was younger, but going through the minor leagues in college, they kind of took it away from me. And uh, But then I also watched Miggy, who's all, you know probably one of the greatest right-handed uh, hitters of our generation. I don't know if that's, you know, making much of that's probably not too bold of a statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, and the third guy I was watching was Alan Craig. He was like, he wasn't hitting for a lot of power at the time, but he was driving in a lot of runs. And I just tried to, there were three pretty uniquely different guys. And I just tried to start breaking them down differently and seeing what they had in common. And then trying to, you know, the one thing to me that makes Batista really special and kind of really one of the outliers is that he was a Deadpool guy that, you know, had a lot of success. And, you know, for me, I was, I could never really have that mindset of being a, a big time pool guy and feel like I could hit where Jose could, you know, he was on top of the plate and uh, his body worked extremely well and he had extremely fast hands and, uh, a great approach and, and didn't really go outside the strike zone very often. Uh, so I felt like I couldn't really mimic him to the T because that's not where I felt where I was my best. Uh, so then I, you know, I started incorporating some Miguel Cabrera moves that I was finding and uh, trying to use the, the whole field more and 
Alan Craig and just he was completely different and just uh, I felt like that was a little bit more simpler form and to see what those three guys had in common and I really just um, you know try to make it my own yeah it's a great answer uh, we had Jose on a couple of days ago and I asked him about the elevated fastball and you're the perfect guy to ask this mm-hmm. if, if you were teaching a young person because now as you well know they like to throw the elevated mm-hmm. fastball and they do it with, high, with, with big time velocity and I, I used to be a left-handed hitter I had a little natural uppercut in my swing it would have gave me fits like I I just not real sure I've often thought sitting on a couch how would I do it how would I lay off of it how would I pull it foul how would I get them off it and you're a great hitter how, how do you how do you attack that pitch how do you attack that location now that they throw it so hard yeah i mean that is uh that is it's a very it's the hardest pitch to hit because you have the least amount of time to get there and you're fighting against gravity uh with the barrel wanting to get below the baseball um you know so at, at the end of the day for me in 2013 i had a really good year uh, that year, that was the only year that I hit over 300. But, you know, my power numbers, um, I think I had like 24 or something like that in Oakland. But if you'd have told me a pitch above the belt was coming, I had a really difficult time of hitting it or even really seeing it. Um, so that all season, I went and made some mecha- uh, mechanical adjustments to be able to hit that pitch. Um, and for me, it's the thing that resonated with me for that is I think of everybody talks about keeping the front shoulder in, which is, you know, is correct. Uh, the shoulder is going to come off at some point. It's about when that, you know, the timing of hitting is when is that coming off? Um, and being able to use your front side as more of, to me, it's more of that's where the scope, if, if we were, you know, having our, our scopes of a gun down the uh, target, we don't want that scope to be moving. And, you know, for me, it's being able to get the lead arm up to be able to get it above the plane of the baseball to where actually the barrel works on plane. Uh, so that's where like, when I was coming up, people always say, hey, hit on top of the baseball or hit on top of it. Well, when I try to hit on top of the baseball, I was taking my hands and like a hammer and trying to hit on, on top of it. And I was hitting a lot of ground balls and, you know, missing a lot of pitches that I could hit and have weak pop-ups. And um, so I try to, to make that um, adjustment and being able to turn the barrel from behind your shoulder is also going to help with getting on plane and being able to not drop that. But in today's game where it, it's tough, uh, you know, you have guys with multiple fastballs, sinkers, four-seamers, and, you know, really uh, the approach has to get so much more um, – Precise, uh, per se, and to where, you know, it's not just, hey, look fastball. It's like, hey, am I looking four seam? If I, am I looking sinker? And then when you get in the disadvantage counts, really being able to put yourself in a position to make adjustments to manipulate the barrel. And, um, you know, that's what I think the best hitters do okay. in, in the game. Yeah, that's right. That's a great answer. So, Tell me this, like, like the Jays lineup, they, they don't like it. <laughs> they they know like you the elevated fastball. I think the league average is somewhere right around two twenty. They're hitting like two thirteen. They don't like it. Is it one of those mm-hmm. things that all the stuff you were just talking about seems like that's a process? Like I would have to start it, and it's going to take a little while for you to master that and be able to hit that thing consistently hard. That's something you can do in season. Yeah, definitely. There's some stuff that you could probably do in season for it. Uh, 
it just depends on the open-mindedness of whoever is doing it. Um, but, you know, really, you know, I remember for myself, I, I used to talk to Batista in spring training. We would hit, and I, I still remember this conversation like it was yesterday. I was like, hey, man, I'm like, you absolutely destroy the sinker, right-handed sinker running in on your hands, and you pull it. I don't understand, like, how you do it. The only way I've ever really had success is that is like hitting it to right center, like trying to stay inside of it and shooting it the other way. And he goes, and Jose was extremely aware of his body, and he'd be like, all right, so whenever you get your foot down, like the lead leg gets down, if you want to feel like you're hitting to the inside of that front leg versus where I would try to get there, I'd get to the position I wanted to, and I would let the front leg spin out, right? And Sure enough, we had a spring training game, and it was against uh, Minnesota, I think. And actually, I know, uh, but uh, I think it was Nolasco that was pitching, and I had about a ten pitch at bat, and he kept throwing me sinkers. I kept fouling them off, and I'm like, "All right, Batista told me this. Try this." It was spring training, so there wasn't really anything on the line. I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna take that." And he threw me a three-two sinker in, and I clipped it like left center, way back, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have figured that out by myself, like it took one of my teammates who, you know, fortunately, you know, today we're talking about Jose Bautista and just having that one conversation, like it resonated with me. Josh, uh, very oh. quick, very quickly before you let you run, uh, how you doing? And, uh, you know, what is the, what does the future hold for you right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a, a calf strain right after the all-star break. You know, I'm sure you guys are probably surprised about that. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I had a like a grade two plus calf, and they, uh, I'm actually moving around really well right now, pretty close to full speed. But at the moment, I'm on the 60 day, and uh, I'm not eligible to get back till the 14th. So, you know, right now I'm just trying to um, just continue honing the craft and staying in shape and and doing the best that I can right now. I'm trying to stay uh, have a have a good positive mindset yeah josh listen man we really oh. appreciate you uh, joining us today and uh get back get get better soon and get back on the field yeah. love to see you there that's All great right. stuff thank you hey i appreciate you having me and uh, like i said like jose bautista phenomenal player he do, he deserves every second of this uh in my mind is you know up there definitely with you know, the Toronto greats of, of all, all time and, you know, not a better person to be able to, to receive this award today. And, you know, he's a great teammate to me and I'm sure a lot of other guys. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing uh, the game with him. And uh, like I said, pr- I appreciate you guys having me and it was fun to talk some baseball. Awesome. Take care. Be well, JD. See ya. Thanks guys. Josh Donaldson uh, joining us on Blair and Barker. Um, Time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It is a whole new ballgame. That was a great discussion. By yeah, me. yeah, I could have talked that all day. Great job with that, guys. That was awesome. But it is time for Bet Rivers. And we're looking at Jose Barrios today. Over, under, 17 and a half outs tonight against the Cubs. What do you think? Is Jose going over or under? <sighs> Home game. Jose Barrios, I take the over. Yeah, me too. 
I take the over. Uh, d- d- let's not overthink it. I'm taking the over. Good. good what's that saying? The good pitching always beats a good hitting. Yeah. yeah, I'm taking that. So I'll take the over. Yeah, he's a diff- he's a, he is a uh, he's a he's a different. Um, I shouldn't say he's a different pitcher. He's been awfully good on the he's been awfully good on the road as well. But yeah, Jose Jose Brios at home, man. I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to go along yep. with that. I'll take the over. I would think, uh, despite the fact, as Mr. Barker said, uh, despite the fact that. Uh, the uh, Chicago Cubs have been hitting the ball pretty well, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna go with the over yep. in that. That was between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. It is Friday. That means two things: Jeff Passan and John Schneider, or in this case, John Schneider and Jeff Passan, the manager of the Blue Jays. John Schneider joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. 